Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Granite Cornerstone podcast. We are here tonight to speak to some new Masons um, and to, to hear their experiences. With us tonight, we have uh, Brother Alex Newberry from St. Mark's Lodge, number 44 in Derry. Alex was raised in February of 2020. We are joined by Brother Kevin Curry uh, from Lafayette Bible Lodge, number 41 in Goffstown. And Kevin was just raised about a month ago. And then we are also joined by Brother Adam Gleason from Mount Cube Lodge, number 10 in Orford, New Hampshire, raised on August 27th, 2019. Welcome, brethren. It's uh, great to have you here, and thank you for joining us. Happy to be here, Tim. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So this is our fourth episode. It's the third in our experiential arc where we're trying to hear about the experiences of different people within the Masonic fraternity. We started with the Grand Masters. We progressed to our, progressed to our veteran brothers, and now we're here with some of our youngest members. And part of what we wanted to accomplish today was to speak to you gentlemen and to find out how the experience you've had thus far parallels with some of those experiences we heard last month from our veteran brethren and to see what it is uh, that's driven you to the fraternity and is also driving you to, to continuing on and being active within the fraternity. So I guess the first question that I have, and we'll, we'll start with uh, Brother Gleason and, and kind of move around here. Um, what led you to join Freemasonry? Well, I had um, I have two cousins that are Masons, and, I, and I've always noticed that they were um, how they carried themselves, how they conducted themselves was very uh, admirable. So I was was intrigued by it. So I approached them one day and asked them some questions to get to know about it, and they told me to join, to swing it over, fill out a petition, and have dinner. And then one thing led to another. But what got me was is the way they carried themselves. Just like we always see um, our fellow brothers, the way they carry themselves is very. Um, the way that you know the, the talks, their mannerisms, and how they do this. So that that always intrigued me about it. So I think that's kind of what set the bar. That I also think I was always looking for something. Um, you know, big fraternity, the world's largest fraternity. I was always looking for something, um, and Freemasonry had it for me at the time, and still does. Yeah, I think I can I can echo some of those sentiments. The the search for something more is a lot of what drove me to the fraternity, and I think that. Uh, You'll hear that from a lot of different people. So that's an interesting uh, perspective. And obviously families as good a reason as any, uh, you know, yeah. and, and a good example. Speaking of people with family who are also Masons, we'll move on to our, our next brother here, Kevin. Uh, why don't you tell me the same question? What led you to petition the fraternity? Uh, so my dad's a Mason. Um, but I'm fifth generation, just like Alex over here. And so for me, spoiled a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was something that I was really interested in from a young age. Uh, and I remember even being as young as six or seven, noticing the square encompasses and talking to my dad about it and him always telling me, you know, when you get older, when you get older. And then uh, right around 22, it just clicked and uh, joined the fraternity. So it was just it was just a matter of time. And yeah. And having had his uh, his surprise spoiled, we have another fifth generation Mason here joining us. Uh, Alex Newberry. Alex, same question. I know probably some of that was, was family, and, and you're also uh, State Master Counselor for UNLA, correct? Yes. So uh, what, what led a, you to, to the fraternity? Definitely family. You know, always seeing my dad go and my grandfather go, 
ever since I was eight, I would be at like veterans programs carrying the flag in like my Boy Scout uniform. And the master at the time would always call me future brother Newberry. And 10 years later, here I am. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting to see the, the progression of people and how they come to the fraternity. You know, we heard in our last episode, a lot of guys were, were ex-military and, and they joined as a result of coming out and looking for something more after they left the, after they left the military. And, and seeing people's journeys, I think, is very important. Um, and speaking of journeys, now you've all obviously gone through the degrees, some of us a little bit uh, more recently and some of us not quite as recently. So let's go and, and find out what was what was your path through the degrees? How did you get to where you are and, and how did you enjoy the experience? We'll start with our, our newest race, Master Mason, Kevin. Um, so I was entered back in March of 2019, and then it took me until August of this past year of 2020 to get passed to the degree of fellowcraft. So it, I spent a lot of time as an EA, and that uh, that that was a really insightful actually. And then I moved quickly through um, the fellowcraft, and then of course we had the COVID issues again. But very happy to have been raised last month and. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went through the degrees a little bit slower than I think a lot of people do. Um, and that was really beneficial in the beginning, especially getting ready to get ready for the fellow craft, because I had spent a lot of time with that book. I had spent a lot of time with that degree in my head. And then to finally make that next step forward was really what I needed to do to dive headfirst into masonry as much as I can. Yeah, I think for me, I remember a similar experience. Once you get up to the fellow craft, and that's the that's the hurdle. And it seems like after you take your fellow craft, things do get a little bit easier, and, and you usually see those timelines shrinking. Now, that's one experience. And, and going on to our, our next youngest, I know for a fact that he blazed through the degrees. And, and All without a doubt. <laughs> so why don't you tell me about your experience, Alex? Um, I was initiated in September and then I quickly turned my proficiency. I was averaging about two months in between degrees. My longest gap was between my Fellcraft and my Master Mason because I wanted to wait after the holidays and not force the lodge into trying to schedule Master Mason between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But it easily one of the best experiences of my life going through the degrees. Now, you you lived with your mentor. Yep. How did that how did that make your experience? Uh, I would get up in the morning and he immediately where's your book? <laughs> every every time he saw me asking where my book was. I, I've spoken to your father about that specifically, and that's the exact same phrase he used. I always said to Alex, Where's your book? Where's your book? Yeah. And I remember that's what his father did to him. Hey, it worked. I mean, it you does. still have your book? What's that? Uh, Do you still have your book? Yeah, they're in my drawer next to me. <laughs> it's always um, a good thing. Yeah, I got all of them still. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, how about you? What was your experience like going through the degrees? <laughs> Mine was a little different. Um, I started my EA in Fellowcraft early in my younger years. Uh, so I started that when I was in my 20s, mid-20s. And then um, <clears throat> got married, had kids. Life happened in between. And then 
it just, I was always, like I said earlier, I was always missing something. I always wanted to find something. So it took me until I was uh, 40-ish, 41-ish um, to be able to find out what that click was. And, and I came back to Lodge and um, did a refresher on my fellow craft and then did my Master Mason and was raised. And it was, um, I think it was good because it was the time. Um, I think if I was in the mind frame that I was in back then, I don't think it would have been as um, memorable of an experience. So I think it was definitely the time for me at that point um, in my life to be able to, you know, go through and get raised. So a little bit different, but I'm the, the oldest, oldest, newest, I guess you could say. So that whiteboard behind you has a lot of meaning then. It does. I, I'm confused. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, I'm not used to it. Uh, definitely a way to time with patience. I mean, that says everything, right? We hear it all the time. Um, and it is, it happens to me all the time when I'm reading usually when, you know, trying to do some studying and all that stuff, which is very hard because we have so much that we want to know and get to knowledge of. And in the back of my head, wait a time with patience because it will come. And just like, you know, being raised, I had to take some time off to clear my head and, and be in the right frame of mind. So for sure. So just listening to everybody's experiences, Adam, I would say that you probably had the least expectations going into the fraternity. Um, but by the time you hit your master Mason degree, you'd already had quite a bit of experience and exposure to the fraternity uh, maybe a while ago, but still within your frame of reference. How would you say your, your degrees met the expectations that you had? <laughs> That's always a great question. Cause when you think about it, when, when you're an EA or, or a fellow craft, you don't know the degrees. So I guess your expectation is whatever you think it's going to be. Right. I mean, we don't, I didn't read prior to, so I didn't, you know, know, have any knowledge, you know, in foresight, but what do you know? You know, your expectation is what you think of it is. And I mean, some people think it's this grand, you know, robust thing. Some it's a small thing, you know, whatever the person likes. I think it also, that experience is the individual person. Uh, for me, it was fantastic. Um, even when I go see degrees, you know, after being raised, they're all fantastic. I mean, all the brothers put hard work into it, time and effort into it, and they, they do a great, fantastic job, you know? So my expectations, I mean, I, I'm not thinking that I'm going to be, you know, moving into a million dollar mansion, you know, so it's one of those where it's, it's a nice expectation to me. It fit my needs, what I was looking for, for sure. Well, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, yeah. This isn't, this wasn't in the questions that we sent out before, but what was your favorite degree? <sighs> That's always a tricky question. It is. It is a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say my, my fellow craft degree was the best. And I'm only saying that because I was raised with another brother on my master masons. So it was kind of, it was different. If you're the only person going through it, it's totally different versus having somebody else um, going in there with you. So that was my, I think my fellow craft was the, the best degree. Um, that's the, to me, the meat and potatoes of, of masonry right there on the fellow craft anyway. So I like the fellow craft. That's my personal favorite. I've got the, the staircase and the pillars tattooed on my arms. So yeah. Yeah, that one always meant a lot to me and going through the line being senior deacon uh that fellow craft degree has always been my favorite piece of ritual to perform for sure yeah uh kevin you're a fifth generation mason but you were not dmla is that correct correct so what was your level of exposure to the degrees and, and how do you feel that they met your expectations before you uh joined the fraternity well at least for the master mason i definitely knew a little bit more than i should going in um, and I think you're going to see that a lot uh, when you have a generational thing. But 
Well, maybe, maybe not, but my dad told me probably too much. <laughs> but, uh, but no, the degrees, uh, I had no idea what the degrees were going to be like when I first went in. Um, so the entered apprentice, I actually had a really, really wonderful EA history done. So I had Right Worshipful Hotchkiss, who's a member of my lodge, do oh, yeah. that and do the middle chamber lecture for me. So I, I got lucky. I was spoiled with excellent ritual for, uh, well, for all three of my degrees, but for those two in particular. And the fellow craft, I'm going to parrot you guys. The fellow craft is absolutely my favorite, but really not a contest because as someone who wants to go into academia, it's my, I'd like to be a professor one day. Um, that middle chamber lecture really goes deep into a lot of what I love about that particular field. And I don't want to go, I don't know what I can and can't say right now. So I don't want to go too deep into it, but. I think we understand. <laughs> so uh, Alex, you are, you are Demo Lay. You are a fifth generation Mason. You probably have more exposure to ritual coming into the fraternity than yeah. I would say anybody else. Um, so how did the, what were your expectations and how do you feel those degrees met those expectations? Well, going and joining DMLA first, a lot of the degree work for DMLA is similar to Blue Lodge. So like some of the phrasing and how things are done is similar. So starting my Blue Lodge degrees, I immediately saw, I immediately saw some overlap. And then being curious, I also did research. So I also knew what to expect for the most part, not everything, but a lot of the stuff I knew what was coming. Do you think the research you did was in hindsight, something you shouldn't have done, or do you think it enhanced the experience? I don't think it hurt or enhanced it. Um, the research I found obviously didn't go too much into it, but it was like, this is what's going to happen when you get there. And this is what's going to happen when you get brought into the lodge. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting because I know when I when I joined, I I read I think Freemason for Dummies and and Complete Idiots Guide to Freemasonry before I I joined, and you know I think it 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 didn't really reveal too much, but it did kind of give you a little bit of a prep before you got yeah. there, which which kind of made things a little bit calmer for me for sure because I was coming in with nothing. Um, so looking at your Masonic experiences so far, petitioning joining, going through the degrees, something motivated you to keep going and to stick with it. And in Adam's case, to pick it back up again, as you're sitting here now, having been in the fraternity, I mean, Kevin for master Mason for a month or Adam for now over a year, what would you say your motivations are today compared to when you first picked up that petition or, or in Adam's case, uh, when you decided to come back? So let's start with, uh, we'll start with Alex. Uh, definitely getting out, traveling, and hearing other brothers' stories as to why they joined and what they enjoy from the fraternity. Yeah, I mean, I, I see you in Rising Sun uh, pretty regularly, so yep. it, getting out and traveling is always a good thing. The, um, the day after my EA, I immediately went out and saw another EA degree for a uh, visitation. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, what, I will say that going through the degrees, watching the degrees you've gone through is a great way to, to reinforce it. And traveling is something that you can't get enough of in this fraternity. I've been to the Grand Lodge of Ireland. I've been to lodges in the Bahamas. And uh, meeting brothers from all over is a, a really 
enjoyable part of this fraternity. It is. So Kevin, how about you? What, uh, looking at your motivations today compared to where you were when you started your journey, has anything changed? What, what is it that motivates you to be active in this fraternity? Oh, definitely. I'm going to pair it, Alex. Definitely the traveling. Uh, I love going around um, the jurisdiction as well as going down uh, into our brothers in the South Massachusetts there and just meeting new brothers, seeing how masonry differs from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Uh, and because there's so many different, or there's so many similarities that when there are differences, they really stand out, but generally in a positive way. And that's really interesting for me. So like when I was doing my lessons, uh, my dad couldn't help me because the ritual's different and he's a Massachusetts Mason. So oh, yeah. <laughs> so once I was raised, it was cool to actually sit down with the two books and go through and compare how they really are different. But wh when I first got started, I just wanted to be a part of it. Uh, it was something I wanted since I was a little boy, um, something I wanted to do to make my dad proud. And it's become the, probably the best thing I've ever done. Well, that's good to hear. Adam, how about you? Well, it, definitely the same, but travel. I mean, it's kind of traveling's a little restricted right now. Um, so, with that being said, with it travel being restricted, this gets me jazzed up. Being able to come talk to other brothers. I mean, tonight's the first night I've met Alex. I've heard about him. You know what I mean? I, I know his father, but the first time I met him, you know, I've met Kevin before. You know, on virtual Zooms, you know, platforms before. Um, same with. It's the first time I met you guys. It's a way to connect everybody. So to me, that that's what gets me jazzed up is this, being able to still have what we're going through now and still being able to educate and talk to people, um, the, the web, the interweb. So that, that's what gets me jazzed up. And the traveling does too. Um, you know, Scottish Rite, I'm a Scottish Rite, you know, so it's that's definitely traveling all over the place, you know, so it's that it, traveling's good, but it's definitely good on my gas mileage with this right now, so. Yeah, I'll tell you, I leased a car last December, and man, am I under my miles. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk about that. So, Adam, you had a little bit of exposure to the fraternity before this whole thing started. Um, how is how has the pandemic affected your Masonic experience? <laughs> well, as much as it's a terrible thing, it, it's, to me, you're going to look at the, it's a glass half full or empty, you know, right? So... I think it is, this is a good thing for the fraternity. You know, we have an issue where we can't meet with the brothers, but yet we still can, you know, overcome and adapt the issues that we have and be able to do stuff like this. Speaking back to when I first came in, there was none of this. This was you, you know, you were studying. You would go to your mentors and, and study there, have a cup of coffee, you know, go over your lessons and, and study. This, you can actually get out and actually broaden, meet people from, different areas, you know, from California or Florida or wherever it is across, you know, the, the, the oceans to be able to get more education and knowledge. So it's a totally different change, which I think is always in the, definitely the better. Um, so coming from where I was back the, you know, back a few years ago, um, we didn't have this stuff. So I guess I can call myself an old man now because we didn't have that stuff. Back in my day, right? <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's, it's weird to say, but it's true, you know, and I mean, we never thought about this stuff until recently, you know, eight months ago, you know, and, and it's especially with education. Uh, I mean, St. Mark's had a, had a, they were doing a virtual Zoom lessons, you know, you, you actually learning stuff, discussing stuff, having these one-on-one -on -one discussions. And you learn so much, you learn so many different views and ideas from everybody because everybody's individuals. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chris and I had talked about this podcast prior to the pandemic, but I think that 
the pandemic happening and, and the, the shift to largely online meetings has really enabled the fraternity to get a lot more uh, open with each other and and bring people into the fold who may not have been around to to, to go to lodge. And I think that's a great thing that, that I've seen. Yeah, um, I mean, another thing too is is the platforms. You got Facebook, you know, YouTube, yeah. you know, everybody has that stuff. We're, we're, we can't go and visit every brother that hasn't been to lodge and go knock on their door and say, hey, you coming to lodge? You know, list we can post stuff so they can actually still see, hey, Mel Cube, I never knew where Mel Cube was. You know what I mean? Now it's it puts people on the map. And I think that's that's a definitely advantage of these platforms. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I said this to you when we were getting ready this evening. I I didn't even know Orford, New Hampshire, was a place. So now I've learned something today, and it does. And it exists. You know, maybe I've got to take a drive up there. Uh, Come on up, it's fun. It's a good time. I will say we have a note from uh, Right Worshipful Scott Newbury in the chat saying St. Mark's online education sessions will be back after the first of the year. So uh, for anybody who's interested in what uh, Adam was just talking about. Uh, reach out to a brother for St. Mark's and uh, find out what's going on. Alex, pandemic. You got raised in February. I got raised probably, right before everything shut down. Probably looking forward to a, uh, a year of travel, being a Master Mason, experiencing masonry, and uh, experienced a, a halt for a while there and, and yep. traveled a little bit since, but... Why don't you tell me about your experience going through the pandemic as a, a brand new master Mason? My opinion of going through the pandemic right after I was raised, it definitely unique. I, I, I was really eager to travel and then I couldn't. Uh, in the swap to Zoom and the live streaming and all that, it I think it strengthens the fraternity because it proves that we will communicate no matter what happens. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've I've had several Zoom meetings. I've I've done my stated meetings in, in Zoom the last couple of months. But prior to that, you know, we had Zoom and we had people showing up who I hadn't seen in years. And and as a result of the pandemic and the changes going on with our lodge schedules, my lodge has reached out to every member at, to the best of our ability and talked to people who we haven't heard from in yeah, a decade. Swapping to online, you're able to connect with the brothers that say like moved to Florida or moved across the country. You're, yeah. you're able to hear from them now. And, and I, I agree with, with both of what both of you and what you said, I think that it's been tough. Sure. Uh, it certainly made an impact on what we want to do as Masons, but I think it's done a, a lot of uh, good things for our ability to meet and, and come together and, and discuss things with people of varied opinions all over the world. You know, you, you see it in the Facebook groups and, you see it online every single day. So, Kevin, you have probably been the most impacted out of everybody um, because you were just an EA when this started, right? Yep. So your fellow craft was in August. Your master mason was in, in November. I imagine both of those degrees probably would have been earlier. Yeah. Uh, had you not been shut down for at least three months. So why don't you tell me about how going through your degrees while dealing with this pandemic and dealing with the shutdowns has, has impacted your experience so far? I wouldn't say negatively at all. Um, in fact, I'm probably the only person that's a little bit thankful for the shutdown because uh, to hop onto what Alex was saying, that the Zoom that came out of this has really strengthened at least my bonds in the fraternity. So I met Adam. 
You know, um, I through a Zoom meeting one night with Right Worshipful Ackridge, I heard about what St. Mark's was doing. And now I'm over there two or three times a week. I spend more time there than I do my mother lodge. You know, so I've really been able to travel virtually and get to know a heck of a lot more brothers than I think I would have if it had just been a regular old year. So Yeah, it, I, I think that's a really good point. So it uh, it did stink to have the degrees postponed, but at the end of the day, a lot of good has come out of this, at least for me. So I, I have nothing to complain. I'm kind of happy it went down the way it did. That's that's an interesting perspective. And I think that, yeah, obviously your degrees being postponed is, is not ideal. But you're right. I mean, it, the people I've been able to meet through this format, um, you know, we had right, I had Right Worshipful Brother Ackridge in on a Zoom uh, meeting with my lodge because we had the ability to get 30 people in a room and get, you know, the, the – grand education officer there without anyone having to leave the comfort of their home. And that's an experience, you know, I'm sure right. Worshipful brother Ackridge would have come to my lodge if I'd asked him, but I don't think I would have gotten as many brothers there. And I, I don't think that we would have been able to share the experience that we shared. So I think that it's very interesting to see guys who have really at this point, the majority of their Masonic experience has been online and to see how you feel that that's going to handle the, the future of this fraternity. So in our last episode, we kind of looked back at the changes in Freemasonry uh, because we were dealing with Masonic veterans. People have been in the fraternity for 50 or 40 years. Considering where you are today, considering the experiences you've gone through in your, your very timelines in the fraternity, what do you... What do you think this fraternity is going to look like in five years? What do you think this fraternity is going to look like in 25 years? Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, so I want to be an optimist and say that we're going to go through a Masonic Renaissance, like Right Worshipful Flynn has talked about, and maybe we are right now. So I'd like to see membership numbers climb. Uh, I don't know. We're uh, Especially this generation, in the next 25 years, I you know, I'm not even 25 years old myself, so I can't really put myself in that mindset. But I'm still a baby. <laughs> Dude, I'm the baby of, here. I'm 19. Yeah, yeah that's true. Alex, <laughs> a lot of people in my generation aren't joiners, which is a good thing and a bad yeah. thing. Because you get guys, you know, like Alex is a prime example. You know, you get guys that are young and motivated. They're good ritualists and they care about their lodge. But you're not going to get 10 of those a year. You know, you're lucky to get one every two or three years. So I'm, I think we'll stay the same numbers wise, but I could definitely see us at least in the five years. Cause I don't know how to comment in 25 years, but in the next five years, I think we'll see a lot more interest in the fraternity from the brothers who have been around for a while. And I think that zoom is an excellent way to do that. And something like this podcast is another great way. It gives people a platform. It gives people a voice. And it allows people to come together, us as brothers, to come together and talk about what is it going to look like in the next five years. And if we all can get into a common goal, then we'll all be able to make that happen. All right. Adam, how about you? What are, what are your uh, thoughts on the future as uh, one of our older, wiser gentlemen on the call this evening? You could read, you could see the smoke coming, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I agree. Um, I also think that I grin and I know I'm older, um, but I'm still up with the times. But I think our 
fraternity is not necessarily always going to be the five-year, four-generation um, brothers that are coming in, you know, because those are, if nine times out of ten, they're probably going to come in, right? I mean, that's it's not a given, but they could, you know, could stray and go somewhere else. It's the brothers that we don't know yet that we need to bring in. And I think with this platform and all the stuff that the, the um, education department is doing, getting the, the information out there, I think is bring, going to be bringing brothers in. Do I think it'll change tomorrow? No, I think it'll take time. Um, again, time with patience. Um, I, I don't, where, where I see five years, I don't think there's really going to be a big change in five years. I think you'll start seeing a shift probably, but not necessarily a big one where everybody's going to be like, whoa, what's going on? I think it'll be a slow, gradual pace. And I think that's what we need to do. I don't think we necessarily as a fraternity need to make that huge jump um, to change everything. Uh, I think we need to do it slowly and work together and actually bring brothers in that we need in the you know fraternity. And I, I think that's what it is. I mean, a lot of brothers or a lot of people out there are looking for, you know, the, the, the good old boys, you know, let's, let's drink whiskey and smoke cigars. Awesome. We can do that. But there's also another side of it too, um, that, that we need. We don't necessarily want to just have all those people coming in and we don't necessarily want to have the esoteric people all coming in. We need to have a mixture of both. And I think with this, these platforms, we can do that, you know, different backgrounds. We can have a podcast and, you know, have some whiskey, have a cigar, you know, do whatever it is you need to do and still have talk about esoteric stuff. So I think that's, that's a thing that's, will change. Like I said, I don't think it'll happen tomorrow or the next day. Um, I definitely think the shift is, helps with this pandemic. I have, I think it's helping it move along a little bit faster than it should. That's how I feel on it. Yeah, I think you made a good point. Um, I, I like the, the comment you made about um, balance, balancing the, the different sides of this fraternity. You've got a very strong fraternal interest People come together for the brotherhood. And and as has been mentioned, you've got this Masonic Renaissance where you're looking at education and, and esoteric topics and all these other things that haven't really been discussed a lot in the last 20 years. And, yeah. and how do you bring those two together and how do you build a strong lodge that can meet the needs of all of its members? And those members are going to naturally yeah. be- And I also think that comes down to a- to a- Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it also comes down to like an age demographic too. You know, I mean, you got very young brothers and you got very older brothers, you know, and it's one of those, we see it all the time is, is it's, you see the same people always there. You see the same older brothers that are there and they came from a time where it was a very fraternal about the meals, about getting together, the camaraderie, you know, and then now you have a certain, you know, middle generation that's kind of in the middle and you have the younger guys that I'm seeing that are more esoteric. And I think like, just balance, getting them all together. I mean, it's, <laughs> we learned so much from the older, you know, the older generations too, just as much as we learned from the youngers. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a mix, there's, but there's a huge demographic on, on definitely, I find an age. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think that's, but it's slow. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Alex, how about you? What do you, what do you see the fraternity shaping itself into? Uh, to, to piggy off what Kevin said, I definitely see membership rising. Because I, I think that later on in the future, people are going to start looking for something that's bigger than them to join. And I think the fraternity is perfect for that. And I also, I don't see Zoom and everything going away. Because this has proven that this is a solid way of communication for us. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the the Pandora's box has been opened when it comes to this. I don't think you can ever justify getting off of these platforms now because of the value they add to the Metronic yeah. experience. So we have a question uh, in the chat, and uh, I think that you know the three of you were probably amongst the best people to ask. Question comes from uh, most worshipful brother Ken Clay. Not answering it. <laughs> now you are. No, me, not he, he, his question is: What are we not doing today that we should be doing in order to retain and attract members? So one of his pillars of, of his term as grandmaster is retention, and uh, I think that looking at the three of you, obviously we have brothers who are active, engaged, and and likely to be retained, for lack of a better word. So. What aren't we doing? What would make it better for the people that you know who maybe disappeared or the people who may not approach the fraternity to begin with? Adam? Um, <laughs> I called my I, – I stuck out like that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> should have said anything. I should have come quiet. I think what, what, what I think everything we're doing is correct. Um, I think having the back of the Grand Lodge is definitely a big help. Um, they they – People approach me with these certain platforms and, and things that we're doing. It was never a no, no, no. It was like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So I think it's definitely having that backing and that support of the Grand Lodge to be able to do these certain things, to keep these um, platforms going. I, as to being able to get it out there more, I think just keep doing it. Keep doing what we're doing. It's going to get out there. It's going to get out to the masses. People are going to start seeing it. I mean, people are going to start joining on of these podcasts. This is going to be booming, YouTube, yeah, YouTube. Um, so I think doing those things are that's it's working, and I, I don't think I think just keeping the backing on that from the Grand Lodge. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, is is just definitely supportive. I, I have nothing. They're great. Like I said, they always like yes, do it. New ideas. They love new ideas, so it's it's always refreshing to have that. Yeah, you do make a good point there. I know that, you know, Right Worshipful Brother Busby, uh, the Communications Committee, Right Worshipful Brother Newberry, Brother Flynn, and the Grand Master have all been extremely supportive of this effort. And you look at the Q&As and, and you see support from the very top all the way down of the, the new normal that we're living with in this. These sort of initiatives are, are a great way to see that support and, and to feel the, feel the love, as it were, from, from our Grand Lodge. Um, Kevin, how about you? What do, what do you think we're not doing today that we need to do? I, I don't really know what to do to attract new members. Um, there's, we, we're all different as brothers, but we all have one universal similarity, similarity, and that's that we came and we knocked on that door, right? And so there's the whole, you can't, we don't solicit membership. So I don't really have an opinion on what we should do to attract new members because I'm not really sure how. But as far as retaining new members, um, I think it goes back to that balance. You know, there, there are some people, St. Mark's did a cornhole tournament back in September. That was great. Uh, that you're was- still, something You're still sour that you lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was still a finalist. That's what matters, okay? If this was American Idol, I'd still have a record deal. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but you can't say. <laughs> Oh, God, that's okay. Why do you think I want to join St. Mark's? So I can say I'm part of the winning lodge. Your name ain't <laughs> on the plaque. <laughs> but no, um, 
that was great, you know, because people were able to social distance. It was outside. Everybody was able to have a good time, get out, and because we'd all been going a little stir crazy. Then there are the other, you know, I, I love the esoteric. If you want to dive deep into Plato's cave narrative, I am fine with that. And we can talk about that six different ways from Sunday, and we can do it three or four meetings in a row, and that'll be just right as rain for me. I can just so, picture Ryan Flynn furiously typing into the YouTube comments right now. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Ryan's a buddy, and that's that's one of the reasons. That's the type of stuff we get up to. But when it really comes down to it, I think retaining members is just going to be keeping brothers interested. And we are all interested in different things. We all have different passions. But, you know, pretty much everybody likes to have a cheeseburger and throw, you know, and play some cornhole, something like that. Just more activities where and I understand right now we're severely limited with what we can do. A, it's cold and B, we have COVID. So I suppose I'd say keeping the brothers interested is how you're going to retain them. And with so many different interests, you just got to have a plethora of different things you're willing to put on and do. Okay. Ryan, Ryan has no comment for you about Plato's Cave. He was too busy watching Mariah Carey's uh, Christmas video, apparently. So, you know, I, I guess even the most educated and enlightened of us uh, sometimes fall victim to popularity. Um, Alex, you are one of the youngest Master Masons in the jurisdiction. Yep. Um, and... This is not to, to put a spotlight on you or, or anyone, but you are part of a generation, you know, slightly removed from my own, but one that doesn't tend to join organizations like this. And one that I think it's harder to get people, even if they want to come in, harder to get them to stick around because of the, the other offerings that are out there. What do you think as, as somebody who has a, a very different perspective of, you know, the world as it is today, and say myself, how do you think we get new new members in and we retain the members that we have? For attracting new members, I'm not too sure. Because like what Kevin said, you don't advertise membership. As for retaining members, everybody had a spark when they joined. So what we want to do is find a way to relight that spark and keep it. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point. And I think that I think that you've all made a great point here in saying that to Alex's point, everybody joined for a reason. But then when, when you get into what Adam and Kevin said, the lodges need to be able to take that reason and build something that yeah, is expand on it. Yeah. And if you're not balancing between everybody's reason, because the four of us probably came to the fraternity with different expectations. And if we were to sit and lodge together, Maybe one night my needs aren't being met for what I want out of a lodge experience. But at the same time, I can't be that guy all the time. Neither can you. I think that it's okay for me to have a meeting where I learn somebody else's perspective. And then next time we, we learn mine. And I think that balance is really a key issue. And I think that, you know, when you look at retention, it's, a, it's I, I know as somebody who's been a master mason now for 12 years it's it's tough i've seen a lot of guys who have a spark they knock on the door they're gung-ho they're even gung-ho through all three degrees and then they're gone a month after their master mason degree and i never see them again so i think that uh you all bring up some great points and i hope that the the lodge officers who are watching and the masters who are watching uh take note of it and, and understand how to to build a profile of activities for their lodge when you guys 
look back at what you've done so far, um, be it as a master mason or, or in, in the journey, what do you think is, is the, the moment that you enjoyed the most out of your Masonic experience so far, Alex? It's easy. The moment I first knocked on the door, when that door opened, it, every like thought I had one out the window and I just immediately knew I was going to enjoy the journey. All right. Kevin. Middle chamber lecture without okay. question. Uh, I am so a huge architecture fan. Um, and I had spoken to a few older Masons when I was in EA and about some of my interests and they were like, Oh, you're going to love the fellow craft. And so I already had very high hopes and I definitely was not disappointed. Academia and architecture. I think somebody wrote that second degree just for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Adam, how about you? I, I, I mean, I have to agree when I knocked on the door for, um, to join the lodge was definitely an experience, but I think it also what really set the tone was when I came back, um, back at, you know, it redid my fellow craft. That was when I was standing there and we've all experienced it. You get a feeling it's a sensation, butterflies, whatever you want to call it. It's something. And you're like, yeah, man, this is, this is where I need to be. And I think that that's the moment when it, it clicked home for me. And that's where I was like, I'm home. You know, I, especially with my lodge, I feel like I can go in take my shoes off, throw my feet up on the, you know, on the coffee table and, you know, turn the TV on, you know, I'm, I'm home. And that's what I think at that point, that's what I knew. Considering what you've gone through and considering, you know, with that question we just answered fresh in your mind, what do you want to accomplish in this fraternity? Let's just say by the end of 2021. Okay. Let's say all of this is over. Uh, lodges are open, activities are happening. What do you think is the thing you want to do most over the course of the next 12 months in this fraternity? Adam? That's a good question. Uh, I, it's, I wish I was a fortune teller sometimes. I, I think for me personally, it's, it's an individual journey. So my journey is definitely going to be different than everybody else's. So I think for my journey, I, I think where I want to be is, is a little bit further in my studies. Um, I know I'm not going to get there right off, but that year and a month is actually, you know, will help out. And that's always what I'm trying to do is always striving to get better. So that's my expectations is to always each day in my journey to get better. So for that question, 25 years, 10 years, whatever it is, as long as I'm improving from where I am today, I, I'm happy. And that's what, that's what my journey is. How about you, Alex? End of 2021, looking back on, on the last year as a Mason, what do you hope is, is checked off of your list? Yeah, I want to get out and explore more. I, I want to see more of the fraternity. I've, I've been to every law in the district, but very few outside of the district. So I want to go out and see how other lodges, even outside of the jurisdiction like Mass, see how they do ritual compared to New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, Massachusetts is very close, but Kevin's already spoken to it. It is different. It's a different degree. It's, you know, the words are a little bit different. You can follow along. I've been to a degree, uh, an EA degree in, in Boston, and it's a different experience. And I think that traveling is, it accomplishes a lot. And uh, I encourage you, uh, every time you're on vacation, and I'm married, so I, you know, take that, take this with a grain of salt, but 
if you can convince your wife or girlfriend or whoever you're traveling with to go to a Masonic lodge and just go through a tour, just try and meet somebody at a lodge anywhere you are on vacation. Absolutely. An incredible experience. I've done it in uh, three different countries and I've done it with several different States. And it's a lot of fun. Just say it's a business meeting. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when <laughs> we, I was on a cruise uh, going to Nassau in the Bahamas and we went to a rum distillery. We did a tour. We went to a chocolate factory. And then, you know, we're, we still got a couple hours to kill. My wife says, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, there's a lodge right here, right on the main <laughs> street. And so it was my wife, her brother, and, and myself. And convincing them to go through the tour with me and getting the tour was a, was a little bit of work. But everybody had a lot of fun, you know, and you get to experience a, a very different lodge than your own. Kevin, how about you? What's uh, What do you want to check off your list by the end of the next year? I just um, feel kind of ganged up because I can't steal their answers, and they were pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's why okay. it sucks to go last. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I definitely want to work on my ritual and my study a little bit more. Um, so I do travel quite a bit. I'm gonna. I want to keep doing that. Uh, keep going. I haven't made it over to District Six, Eight, or Seven yet. So it'd be nice to check those off. Um, and then, yeah, I'd really, I love the ritual. So I'd really just like to get some of the harder parts like the EA history down. So we have a message in the chat um, from Right Worshipful Dave Collins, the Deputy Grandmaster. Uh, his message to the three of you and also to everybody watching I would encourage all the brothers to travel in bordering states to see the differences, but be sure and travel in this state and see the uh, nuances of the 56 other New Hampshire lodges. And I think that's a, a really interesting point when, you know, when we talk about travel, um, when I talk about travel, usually it's, it's outside of the jurisdiction. And I think it was very encouraging that especially Alex and Kevin, your answers both of you mentioned traveling within the jurisdiction as part of your goal. And I think that's something we don't see a whole lot of is in getting experiences from different lodges um, who live under the same system as you. So having been through traveling already, um, you know, this is another question I'm going to put you on the spot for. What have you seen in your travels within the state of New Hampshire that you uh, would really like to to talk about? Is there anything in particular you've seen outside of your own lodge that really excites you or interested you in the fraternity and kind of builds that fire for travel? Kevin, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the way, a nuance is a good word. I love the way that people do ritual differently because it makes the lodge experience unique. And it's awesome because it can be unique year after year after year, because even though you visited the same lodge now six times, you have a different person in the East. And the way you see people deliver their cadence, the way they deliver certain things, they can really draw you in. Some people are just naturally gifted ritualists, and it's really cool to travel around and see people that are great at their craft. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I know that even just in my own lodge, you're right. I've seen six different masters, I think, in the time I've been a, a member of my lodge, myself included. And... Uh, to see the change from year to year and to see the different ways that people approach different degrees. One of my favorite things is just hearing 
I could sit in a lodge blindfolded and just listen to the delivery of ritual because I like hearing where those words fall, where the emphasis is, what syllables are stressed because it makes a drastically different experience. Yeah. Alex, how about you? You've traveled a bit. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of what Kevin said. I want to see how different lodges do ritual. But at the same time, see how the masters run their business meeting. Because there are some masters that are all over the place and others that are straight on the point and always getting stuff done. That's interesting. I, I you know, when, when I think about traveling, I think mostly about degree travel and, and seeing different uh, ritual. I, I've never considered traveling for the purposes of a business meeting and, and seeing how those are run. And I, I want to see how the different leadership is ran throughout the different lodges. That's a good point. Because then I'm able to take insight in and use it like at a DMLA meeting. That, that is, I mean, that is a very uh, interesting and insightful thought on traveling and something that I had never considered before. And I really like that you brought that up. That that gives me something to think about. And I can't imagine that I'm the only one here with all the people we have watching this. Adam, how about you? <laughs> wow, I, I can't piggyback off or anything like that. Um, I, I think it's definitely, I think it's a mixture of everything. It's, it's meeting the brothers that you've never seen, getting to know their background, uh, seeing the ritual. Definitely, um, I know, from speaking of ritual, um, where, where Chris does his his ritual, it's totally different when he does it versus somebody else's does it. I mean, and that's definitely a cool feature because you, you pick up different things when you hear different people say different rituals, um, different words, like you said. Um, so definitely traveling in by all means, you guys definitely have a, a warm seat up in Mount cube. I know it's a long drive for most of y'all, but, <laughs> but feel free, come on up. Um, and that's, what's nice about travel is we can go to the, you know, I can go down to you guys's lodge, you know, and, and feel right at home and you guys can come up to wherever you feel right at home. And that's, that's the brotherhood. That's a fraternity. That's, that's what travel is all about. So when you look at the experiences you've had, you know, what do you think in your, again, limited experiences, but looking at that guy who first knocked at the door, right? Uh, you know, Adam, that was a long time ago for you. But when you look at that guy and you imagine saying something to him that's going to inform his Masonic experience, what do you think you would say to the person who, who first picked up that door knocker? Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, I'll say something that, that I was always told to me when I was ready to knock at the door. Just go with it. Listen to the words. Close your eyes and listen to the words. Uh, and just... And just enjoy. It. I mean, you're you're with your brothers. Uh, nothing's gonna be, you know, no one's gonna hurt you. You know, they're it's they're not gonna walk you to a cliff and you're gonna fall off. You know, they're guiding you. They're helping you. You know, that's what brothers do. And just listening to the words. Um, and and that changed everything. That changed every time I went through a degree. Just listening to the words. Um, definitely changed it. Let it you know soak in and, and just retain all that stuff. It was definitely if I if I think if I didn't listen to the words and I let my brain go. As some brothers know, uh, I'm a scatterbrain. I'm all over the place. So actually being able to focus and listen onto the words, it was 10 times better. I saw Kevin kind of nodding along when you said that. And it's interesting, you know, you and I are so relatively geographically distant within this jurisdiction, Adam. And 
I had given to me the exact same advice. <laughs> Just listen, close your eyes and listen. Yep. And the fact that that piece of advice is so pervasive in the fraternity, I'm sure we could probably ask a guy from California and he'd probably say that he heard the same thing at, at probably his first degree, at first minute he was ready to just knock on the door. And I think that's really interesting. And I, you know, I, it's not something I'd considered before, but apparently it's universal. Kevin, how about you? I have to piggyback. It would have to be the listening. Um, for me, I remember being so anxious for my first degree and then finally knocking on the door and going in. And then when we get into the second section and you start getting into the history or the EA's history, that I wish I was able to hang on to that a little bit more when at first, because, you know, there's so many big words, so many things so are coming much back from it. Yeah, there is. And then I'm a little bit of a, so I have a lot of trains out of the station at the same time. So I'm trying to put, I'm like, Oh, okay, well that means this and let's put these words together. And by the time I've thought, a little bit about what he said, it's been five minutes. And now I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have. So just to, yeah, and to take it a little bit slower, um, I, I was very excited to rush to the Master Mason. And now I find myself going back and I did spend two, you know, two months as a fellow craft, three, almost three. But now I go back and I think to myself like, okay, I spent a lot of time on the EA. I really got a lot by spending a lot of time on that step. Maybe I should have spent a little bit more time as a fellow craft and tried to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, I think that is advice that, I know when I joined the fraternity, that was advice you didn't hear very often. Take it slow, take it slow, take it slow. That is the one thing that you hear today that I think is most impactful because there is so much, as, as Alex just said, there's so much to uh, unpack from those degrees that you go through and getting through it in a month is, yeah, you can probably learn the words if you're really good at memorizing things. You're not going to no way you're getting the meaning none. And you know, the education committee is doing a great job at putting together degree workshops. And I encourage everybody to take a look at those because I know for a fact that having sat in every office in my lodge, having gone through all the degrees, having shepherded brothers through their degrees, I know there's parts that I don't get. And every time I hear, you know, as a second district Mason, every time I hear Ryan Flynn open his mouth about a degree <laughs> and the meaning, I learn something new. And I think that's an experience that a lot of lodges have probably robbed new brothers of in some ways by encouraging a very quick pace through the degrees because it just doesn't give you the picture, you know? Alex, how about you? What's your advice? Once again, listen. That That's the most important thing you can do. And another thing is really trust your leader when you're brought into the lodge. That They're there to help, and they're not going to let anything happen to you. Well, you were able to do that easily, wasn't it? Your father for all three years? It, it indeed was my father for all three. <laughs> all three. Wow. Okay. That's good. I mean, it, you're right. It, it Trusting the guy who's got your arm is important because I think that's an allegory for all of the Masonic experience. When you look at what you're going to be experiencing over the course of your career in Freemasonry, trusting the guy who's next to you is, is of paramount importance. And I think if it, you couldn't trust him, 
you wouldn't get through all through all the degrees. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think that's, you know, we say it, it's part of what we tell new brothers, but it's something that you don't really understand. And I think you truly don't understand until you've been a Mason for a little bit, implicitly trusting your brothers to the degree that, that you should and have to going through the degrees is uh, not easy for everybody. And it's something that we really need to make sure that new brothers are comfortable doing. So I think that's a really good insight. So we talked about your past. Let's talk about your future. Adam, you, you mentioned this, this question uh, when we were talking earlier. And so I'm going to let you start. You're sitting here as a, a one-year-old Mason, uh, one year and four months almost. I'm going to ask you today to put a message in a time capsule, right? And I'm going to ask you to open it when, when you've hit your 50-year uh, birthday in the fraternity, when the grandmaster's there to give you your medal at the veterans program. I want you to open that letter and I want you to read it. What is that letter going to say? <laughs> that's a that's a good one. I don't know what I would want to tell myself. You know, I mean, it's we asked that question where we're now. We, you know, if I knew, you know, if we have kids, ah, why don't you listen to me? You know, <laughs> I, I think if I would a, a letter in the time capsule, I would say enjoy the moment. Um, take your time, wait a time with patience, and, and just enjoy it. Uh, meet new people, meet new brothers, and just enjoy it, and, and just go with it. Um, it. It's it's it happens over time, and I hope I'm still in the fraternity in 50 years, and I can dig that back up. And who knows where I'll be? Um, you know who where where I'll be, and where in the line of the the, the lodge I'll be. Um, I hope I'm a mentor and and helping do stuff. But who knows? We may be in a different realm in the future. Then. You know, I mean, we may be in spaceships or something. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, great. I don't know. That's that's a very good question. I think about that all the time. You know, I mean, I don't know. That's that's a good question. No, I guess I haven't, I haven't answered that too much. It's a tough one. And, and I think, yeah. that, you know, it's very easy to look back and, and tell younger you what you would have done. And, and, you know, we asked that of the guys in last month's episode. But for those of us who, who who sat in lodge and, and experienced Masons as they go through their journey and, and what a 50 year Mason looks like or acts like, I think that there's a lot of value in what the new guys have to say. And, you know, sometimes we may feel that we're not listened to as much uh, based on our relative youth. And I think that, you know, to frame it a little bit differently is what, what does that, you know, new car smell of this fraternity, how, how can you put that into a letter and really encapsulate that message? Right. So Alex, what do you got? I would definitely say get involved and stick with it no matter what, because if you can stick with it, you're going to create once in a lifetime memories with your brothers and with your lodge. Kevin? Uh, remember who helped get you here and pay that forward. I've been very, very lucky in the men that I've had in men as mentors in this fraternity. And if there's anything I can do to pay that back and pay that forward out of respect for these guys, it's, that's what I would be want to do it, want to be doing. 
as somebody who has been a Mason for, you know, 12 years, certainly not 50, but that's, that is a lesson that I think is forgotten all too often. You know, every one of us had a team of people behind us when we went through our degrees and remembering the impact those individuals had on you and understanding the ability you have to make an impact on the new guy knocking at the door is important. And I think that reflection, you know, hopefully by the time you're a 50 year Mason, you don't need that reminder because that's the role you've been living. But I think it's a good wake up call to say, you know, if you haven't been doing it, give back. And I think, uh, so the grand masters put another uh, message that I'd like to share with you uh, three. He says, our proud craft is honored to have these three men amongst our roles. Whether you're new to your Masonic journey or well down the path, always remember to always be willing to learn, perfect and understand your ritual, and always look for ways to help others. So, to, I mean, that echoes perfectly what you just said, Kevin. Um, and I think that you three are in a unique position now to craft your journey moving forward and to, to really make of the experience of being a master mason what you want. And I think it's it's great to have you here. And and I think that, uh, that that's going to do it for us tonight. Before we sign off, do any of you have any closing remarks? We'll start with Kevin. Well, I'm just really pleased to be here. So thank you for thinking of me. And this is a great platform, and I had a great time tonight. Alex? Uh, I also want to say thanks for having me. And I know when you do the youth episode, I'll be back. Yep, I, I've probably already talked to your father about that, but we are. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Adam, uh, yeah, I just again, I want to say I'm honored. Um, I'm blessed to be able to be part of this and um, have all these fine comments in the uh, the um, chat room. Um, so it's always good, and I look forward to the next episode that you guys have. Um, and who knows, maybe in the future, the three of us in 50 years, when this is still going on, we'll be able to be part of it. Yeah, we might be the old timers. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if this thing is still going in 50 years, whether I'm hosting it or not, I hope we do another veterans episode and I hope we look back at this and, and bring the three back on. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us tonight, gentlemen. It has been a real pleasure. Um, I think that we don't get to hear as a fraternity as a whole, we don't get to hear from our newer members all that often. We tend to look to wisdom of the ages and, I think a lot of us, I mean, I know that I've had a lot of insights tonight and I think that it does exceptional value to everyone to listen to the words that you have to share because you come from a unique perspective that most of us can't remember. And, and it's great to have you here and share it. So thank you so much for joining us uh, to the, to the viewers. I really appreciate you being here with us tonight. Just wanted to let you know that this is ending what we're calling our first episode arc. We are planning um, some more episodes in the future. As Alex has mentioned, we are looking at some uh, episodes that may focus on the appended bodies, the youth organizations. And I think our next set of episodes, we're looking to discuss the initiatic process, the, the, um, the way that members come into the lodge and the experience that they receive as they join the lodge. And we're looking forward to delivering that content to you and, uh, we'll see you all and we'll get a schedule out and we'll make sure that we post on the uh, Facebook pages, the, the schedule and thank you all for joining us and uh, have a great night.